0: invite you now to find your way to the gospel of john chapter 4 the passage before us this lord's day is uh, verses 43 to 54 john chapter 4 verses 43 to 54 i'll read it and then we will um, consider this text together john chapter 4 starting at verse 43 so when he that's christ when he came to galilee the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. As we're thinking through the Gospel of John, one of the things that we Have been noticing. Is John takes a a different perspective. He includes things that the other gospels didn't include. And I think there's a reason for that. The other gospels already included them. And so he's filling in with some more. uh, Interactions. But but notice how John. Again and again. Shows us Jesus interacting with an individual. And very different individuals. Well, we saw him in in chapter 2. the the wedding of cana and the turning of the water into wine a very if you will private it was a it was a private party he didn't make a big show he didn't stop hey everybody look i'm going to do this he quietly just said fill the pots with water and next thing you know they're serving wine but but these individuals he went down to jerusalem remember he cleansed the temple and apparently did a number of miracles because when Nicodemus came to him, he said, we've all seen these signs. You can only be of God to do these signs. But John chapter 3, including that, uh, which includes the famous passage, John three sixteen, God so loved the world. That comes out of a meeting between Jesus and a, and a single individual, Nicodemus. Nicodemus was at the top of the Jewish social ladder. He was he was called the teacher of israel he was a pharisee there were only 6000 of those he was in the sanhedrin he was a leader so he was a uh, a religious leader he was a teacher highly respected and jesus tells him you must be born again all your religiosity is outside you need something in the heart Jesus went from there to John chapter 4 and met the Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans had very little to do with each other. And frankly, the Samaritan woman was at the bottom of the social ladder. As far as Jews were concerned, Jews and Samaritans, of course, didn't think very highly of each other. She was a woman, and that means rabbis shouldn't talk to them. She was an outcast among the Samaritans. That's why she was at the well alone. She was at the bottom of the social ladder. She was uh, an immoral woman. She had five husbands. She was living with a man. And Jesus basically had the same message for her he had for Nicodemus. You need the the living water in your heart. Well, that led to a time of two days of Jesus among the Samaritans. And there weren't any social barriers. There weren't any social boundaries. Jesus was there sharing. They had open hearts to the gospel, and so Jesus was glad to give the glorious gospel to them. At the end of the chapter, we have another individual, again different, not a religious leader but a political leader, not a a, 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 a humble uh, social outcast. He was at the top of the societal uh, classes, if you will. He was a he was he was a part of the. Uh, the court of Herod, maybe even family, but at least a, a high official. He was a man of wealth. We see he has servants. And so there's these very different individuals in different, very different places of life. And each and every one of them has the same need that each and every one of us has. A personal relationship with Christ through faith. Well, let's look at this uh, individual. We're told after two days, Christ departed from there and went to Galilee, from there, from Samaria. So he was two days in Samaria ministering. And again, to lay the groundwork, we'd seen Jesus had been baptized. He went up to Cana, and that's where the miracle happened. After that, we were told he went down to Capernaum, which is on the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. about uh, 17, 18 miles as the crow flies. I don't know, 25-ish miles of walking. And so Jesus spent some time there. Then he went for the Passover in Jerusalem, cleansed the temple, met with Nicodemus. And then after a season there, he went down and ministered preaching and baptizing on the Jordan River until he was up in Samaria. Passover spring, Samaria winter. So he's been gone for almost a year from Galilee. Galilee. As he now comes back. And here he comes and, and into the town. After two days in Samaria. After much of a year gone. And we're told why he came back to this area. In verse 44. For. Because. Again verse thir- uh, 43. After these two days he departed from there. And he went to Galilee. Because. four. Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his country. I think what he was when what that means is he was going to demonstrate that when it came to hometown, there'd be no honor, there'd be no real reception, there would be no welcome of the heart. In verse forty-five. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans he'd left. Judah, that's where he'd been. That's the region as well as Jerusalem. Now he's up in the region around the Sea of Galilee. When he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So again, uh, this feast that we're talking about is the Passover. It was one of three feasts where all the, the men of Israel were required to go to Jerusalem and worship. And so, again, this is right around the time of um, that feast was like our Passover Seder time. As we gather and we're enjoying that meal together and rethinking what our Lord did, Jerusalem had been packed, maybe two million people in and around the town so they could be part of that celebration. So many of the Galileans had been there. They had seen Jesus. Again, he was a local boy. Cana was just a few miles away from Nazareth. You know, his father was a, 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 was a carpenter. They, in those small villages, they knew one another. And so they were astonished when they saw and heard in Jerusalem, the, you know, the capital. Everybody was excited. Everybody was talking. And they saw these miracles. Now we're not told what they were because that's not important. Again, one of those things, John, could you give us a few examples? He was doing probably healings and that sort of thing. But notice what it says is the Galileans received him because they saw what he did. Notice it doesn't say the Galileans believed in him, but they received him. Now Here's how I would take his the welcome he's receiving in Cana and with the surrounding Galileans. They, they saw the miracles and so they're glad to have him there because... I think partly it's kind of like curiosity. If I can really, maybe this might seem too demeaning, but you know, every year we have the um, festival in the spring here in Terrell where, and, and usually a, a carnival rides come in. And you can kind of tell the carnival's coming. You know, After a while, the big, big trucks and all the equipment. Or think back in the days when the, the circus would come to town. And, 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 you know, all of a sudden, you know, here come all these animals. And it isn't opened yet, but the people are watching the tents going up. There's a sense of excitement. Boy, are we going to see a show? I hate to say it, but I think that was sort of the attitude about Jesus. Imagine uh, Terrell had a, one of our own, go out to, and was uh, famous for being an uh, illusionist. You know, did card tricks and that sort of thing on the stage. Well, as soon as he came to town, what are people going to want us to do? Show us some tricks. Do your show for us. You see what I'm saying? It was more of a spectacle. It was more curiosity. They wanted to see something spectacular. That's why they welcomed him to hometown. But it wasn't you're the Lord. Master, how shall we follow you? No, it's, hey, we saw what you did in Jerusalem. Do that here. We want to see the show. And so that's why I'm saying they, they, they received him having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem. Welcomed, yes. But did they honor him as a prophet? See, prophets were famous for doing some things that weren't always popular. For one thing, they often confronted. One thing a prophet would do is he would say, you're in sin, you need to repent. Jesus has been having that. John the Baptist has been having that ministry. Repent, repent. They didn't want to hear that. They wanted to see the stuff. See the show. See the miraculous. They, welcomed, they, they received him but they didn't honor him as a prophet who was giving them God's word by before which they would believe and bow. Well, it goes on then in verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee. So it's repeating that. Just to emphasize he's back at home. Pay attention. This is his hometown reception. Cana is uh, again to Nazareth as... Um, Quinlan is to to Terrell, I mean, just a uh, or Elmo maybe even it's just it's just right nearby. He came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. So now we're told there's, there was an individual there, and notice he's not even from he's not one of the locals. The locals are having a hard time seeing Jesus as anything. But a local guy. The, this nobleman for Capernaum, he's not local. He doesn't know Jesus, but, but he's, he's come because he's heard the miracles. And what we know about him is his son is sick. And so while they wanted to see a show, he didn't care about a show. His little boy was on the edge of death, And he'd been hearing, too. He'd been hearing of what had happened in Jerusalem. And he realized this was the only hope his son had. By the way, I should mention, as we read already through the account, he's a man of faith by the end of the story. He's a man who knows the Lord at the end of the story. Who is this nobleman? Well, the word nobleman really is he's, it's related to the word king someone who's connected to serving the king so that's why he say like a, a court officer so he's he's a man with with power he's a man with um connections we're told he's a man of, of of substance of wealth because of his servants he's got a household that's that's large you know he wasn't one of these fishermen that's just getting by and i don't know but i'm going to try and make a i'm going to make a connection that that's only a possibility that's all i can say i can't be dogmatic but I had to wonder if he is the husband of Husa. You, you know that name, C-H-U-Z-A. Whenever you see a C-H word in, like, church, but in, 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 in the New Testament, it's a name in the Bible, there's no ch sound in Hebrew, and there's no ch sound in, in Greek. Um, so this, has, this is the sound of, um, like, a, like, the C-H in Bach, or Bach. So Chuzah is, well, let me read it. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, it came to pass afterward that Jesus went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of this kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Husa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many other women who provided for him their substance, from their substance. So these were women who were, were going along with the disciples in his in his ministry, probably helping with especially women ministries, but apparently also women of substance who could provide for needs. So you could see where I'm thinking, okay, this nobleman's wife, if, if he was Chusa, then maybe his wife, you know, then his wife would be Joanna, and... After Jesus raised, you know, gave their son back to them. Their son was on the verge of death, and and, and being a noble and a man of wealth meant and a family of wealth. Can you imagine it would have been her great privilege? Uh, Chusa, I want to go along with Jesus for a while and help him out. How's he gonna say no? Really? You're not gonna be around the house? Remember what he did for our son? Here, Joanna. Take some extra money. Uh, make sure the master doesn't lack. I don't know, but something like that is a possibility. He's a man of power. He's a man of influence. He's a man of wealth. And so again, what difference? Nicodemus, Samaritan woman, a, a, a Herodian. So a Jew, but of the of the of the Herodian. Group that were supporters involved in in King Herod. This would be Herod Antipas, not Herod the Great, of the birth of Jesus. Let's look what happens when he verse forty seven. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. A couple things to notice: his son is terminally ill. We are blessed with so much medicine these days that so often what, what we frankly take as a, as a minor issue strep throat or something in a previous generation so often was fatal uh, back in these days there wasn't, the me- there wasn't much medicine What the medicine they had was a lot of sometimes just superstitious it wasn't really helpful or sometimes hurtful But here's a man who knew people. He probably had access to the the best doctors around. He had the funds. He could pay for things. He was a man of power. He was a man of connections. He was a man of wealth. But he still couldn't heal his son. And now he hears about Jesus. And so that drives him to seek him out. He heard he'd come out of Judea. Now here he was in Galilee. And so he was going to go see him, and we're told he implored him. Now, actually, that word implore has the basic idea of ask, but it, is in the, it has the idea of he was, it was continually asking him. If you can imagine all these people around Jesus. Hey, show us something. Did, hey, I saw you do this and all this, this stuff. And this, this uh, nobleman from Caper- Capernaum says, Sir, please, my son... Is dying. Would you, I, I want you to come, and you could just see, see where he'd get a little annoyed when people are talking to Jesus. I've got a life and death matter here, but he kept asking Jesus. He kept asking Jesus, and then verse forty-eight. Then Jesus said to him, "Unless you people believe, see signs, and unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe." So, looking at this man, he speaks to the group. It says, it's all about seeing stuff. You're not going to believe me if you don't see me perform miracles. In other words, their hearts are in the wrong place. But the nobleman said to him in verse 49, Sir, come down before my child dies. <laughs> he says, don't put me in that category. I'm not here to see a show. I'm not here to test who you are. You can keep my son from dying. Please, come and heal him. Again, notice the language he uses, sir. Remember, that was one of the things that struck me about the Samaritan woman. Samaritans didn't call Jews, sir. But she called Jesus, sir, because she knew he was different. And this nobleman, he's used to people bowing to him. And he's talking to this local guy, a carpenter's son. And saying, sir. Please, come heal my son. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Again, this wasn't a private meeting like the Samaritan woman. This wasn't a private meeting like... Nicodemus, I imagine there was a crowd of thick around him. But I imagine Jesus' eyes caught his eyes and he just said to him, go home. Your son lives. Now this fellow was thinking, well, you've got to come and touch him. You've got to come and say a few words. And Jesus just says, your son lives, go home. Now, if you're the parent, you're probably wanting to grab him by the coat and say, come with me. He Come, heal him. But when Jesus says to him, go, he's, he's healed. He, he, he's, he, he lives. That's an incredible act of faith to go and believe. So that shows us that this man, he came believing Jesus can heal. He's now believing Jesus well, either Jesus, he is healing him or Jesus at least is showing supernatural knowledge. He's alive. He's okay. Either way, this man believes Jesus and feels free to go. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. So he's making progress. He's gone from believing Jesus can do miracles to Believing something has happened. In verses 51 to 53. As he was now going down. His servants met him. And, and told him. Saying your son lives. And then he inquired of them. The hour when he got better. And they said to him yesterday. At the seventh hour. When he, the fever, fever left him. Again I'm struck by some of the details. So, so he leaves. He, he encounters the his, his servants on the road. They're, they're so excited. He came, he's, he's okay. You know, see the whole when I said, And the, the whole family, the whole household was aching over this sick little boy. And so when suddenly he got better, they, they get on the road and go get the master. He's, he's okay. He's well. And so they meet him on the road. And, but notice, he said, when did it happen? They say the seventh hour yesterday. Now, seventh hour, we've talked about it there's dispute question is jesus or, or is john using jewish time reckoned from sunrise and sunset or roman time like we do midnight and noon i think he's using roman time so at seven in the evening he had this encounter with jesus and jesus said go your son lives so he asked them and they say yesterday it's seven o'clock in the evening now some of you Our parents or grandparents, and you know what it is to care for a child. Maybe you've been through a season with a a sick child. Jesus says your child lives, and notice it appears that the nobleman spends the night in Cana. Wouldn't the natural thing for an aching parent be to say, thanks, I'll see you? Now, granted, it wasn't easy to travel at night back then. They didn't have the streetlights. If he had a being wealthy and a nobleman, if he had a chariot or something, they—I don't think they had headlights. But somehow, I think if he was really desperate, he would have figured out a way and said, "I'm going." But instead, we see him the next day going down, and the servants meeting him, and 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 saying, "Yesterday, he was healed." Well, that tells me something else about him. He so believed Jesus' message, the panic left him. He believed Jesus enough that his anxiousness for his son went away. That's, that's a believing trust in Jesus' word. But again, well, let's look at further. He said... What time? And they said yesterday at the seventh hour, verse 53 says, so the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. Well, now it says he believed. We were told he believed his word. Now we're telling, it just says he believed. It seems like in the gospel of John, when we're told somebody believed, that's without saying believed what? That's like saving faith. So here's, I, th- I, see a tra- I, I see a growing, changing faith in this man. First, he goes to Jesus because he, he's heard he can heal people. He believes he can heal people. Then Jesus says, your child lives. I think what that means is he, he wasn't sure, did Jesus heal him? Or is he just saying he's a, he, he, he knows he's, he, he's, he's well? But he believes his word and he feels free to go. When the servants say he was healed suddenly, the fever just left him. He says, what time? And they said, they pulled out their iPhone, looked and said it was 7 o'clock. And he looked at his iPhone and said, that's when Jesus said he lives. And then he realized it wasn't just a statement of of fact. At that moment, with that word, 30 miles away without seeing the sun, he healed him. And I think that's when it's at that point we see him coming to a saving faith. He's trusting in him as his Lord and Savior. And it was contagious. And as as I think about him, I think about some of these other godly individuals and their faith spread to their household. In other words, back then that household would have been the servants that worked for them as well as their family. But for example, there's the man Cornelius who was a Roman officer in Acts chapter 10 verse 2. He was a devout man, one who feared God and with all his household. So he, 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 even though he's a Roman, he believed in the, the Jewish God, the God of the Bible. And his whole household did as well. He had a, he had a faith that was, um, he shared and brought others to share. Over in Acts chapter 16, remember the, uh, the Philippian jailer? And, and, and he heard Paul and Silas uh, saw their whole story. An earthquake opened up the, the jail cells. He thought they must have escaped. He was ready to take his life. But well, we read about it earlier. And they said, don't do it. Anyway, he comes in and said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household. Acts chapter 16, verse 33. He took them the same hour... Paul and Silas, washed their stripes. Immediately he and all his family were baptized. That word family literally means not family, but all his. Again, his household. His faith spread through his whole household. Acts sixteen fifteen. remember Lydia. When she and her household were baptized, she begged uh, what... She begged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So again, when she came to know Christ as Savior, her whole household. So what I'm saying is this man, and and you know what's interesting? We don't know his name. There's so many heroes in our our accounts that we don't even know their name. He's, he's He's the nobleman. We've seen a growth in his faith from believing in miracles to believing in Christ as Savior. And he was so bold in expressing to his household, look at what happened. Of course, they had seen the son suddenly healed. And he says, you know when he was healed? When Jesus of Nazareth pronounced him healed. And they trusted in him as a a group. Verse 54 then closes out. This is again the second sign Jesus did when he'd come out of Judea into Galilee. The first time leaving Judea he came to Cana did a miracle second time coming back here it is and notice this one isn't even in Cana so I think the whole point is they wanted to show but their hearts weren't right and so he didn't he didn't, put, he didn't do what he did in Jerusalem he, and what he's going to do in Capernaum because the local community had a resistant heart as he said a prophet is without honor in his hometown But this nobleman shows us the grace of Jesus Christ that's more than healing a child. That was to demonstrate to him who Jesus is. He is the Lord God who's come to be the Savior. So as we look at this passage, what do we glean from it? John wants us to, there's so many, remember he says there's so many miracles I could tell you about. But he takes, he takes these individuals. I think we're supposed to look at ourselves and say, how do I compare to that? Am I a Nicodemus? Perfectly religious. I've got it exactly right. But I don't have a heart relationship with the Lord. Am I the Samaritan woman? About as rejected from society as you can be, but needing the same thing as the very religious man a heart change am I this man who the world esteems as a man of power and a man of influence, a man of wealth? He needs the same thing. And God's grace extends to him as well. So somewhere in that spectrum, we would find ourselves. And every one of us needs the same thing they need. Not religion. Not a religion that entertains but a relationship with Jesus Christ that changes the heart. So it's not enough to believe that Jesus existed and did miracles. It's much more than that. And how sad that the people of Cana, who knew him so well... Now, by the way, right after this, if you go over to Luke chapter 4, you'll see when Jesus goes back now to his hometown, Nazareth, and is invited to read from the, the scriptures... Um, like Tom did here earlier we'll treat Tom a little better but when Jesus got up and read the the, the, the scriptures he turned to Isaiah which, which talked about the coming of the Messiah and he said today this is fulfilled in your presence now the response to that should have been explosive hollering and joy or maybe falling on their faces in wonder What was their response? They took Jesus and were ready to literally throw him off the cliff. Because they couldn't see past. They saw him growing up in town. They couldn't recognize him for who he was. There's many a person that has known about Jesus all their life here in America. Now, you know, I've been overseas where people have never heard the name of Jesus. And that's a different story. But here, people have heard of him all their lives. And they can even say, yeah, I know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But there's a difference between knowing facts about Jesus, like, oh, he healed a bunch of people in Jerusalem, and trusting, believing in him as Savior. But what a comfort I see in this passage. The Lord sees it, and he can answer from a distance, Too often, we kind of put on the Lord, this is the way you're going to solve my problem. Usually his way is better. It's kind of like if I were to take my car to the mechanic and say, this is what you need to do to fix it. A wise mechanic would just keep his earbuds in and raise the volume when I'm telling him how to fix the car. Um, <clears throat> and usually, or may I say always, God's plan is better than ours. We can take comfort in him. And notice the fact that he can heal from a distance. He doesn't have to appear and do all these things. But God cares about our needs. When you realize who Jesus is, as he went home to Cana, he was waiting to meet the man from Capernaum. His heart was already there with that little boy. We can trust God to meet our needs in the way that is best. There's one other thought that that I I bring away from this. This man, he, he got past political ideas, religious ideas, cultural ideas, and he trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. And he did it in a way that instantly spread through his whole household. And that's a challenge to us. It's, it's, it's not enough to know Christ as Savior. If you truly know the eternal God and have eternal life through faith in his Son, then that should be spreading. When I look at our country, I've, I see a darkness, a darkness, a moral darkness, and a spiritual darkness in our land. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The the solution is not a a, a particular party or even a particular person. Our problem is a heart problem. And the greatest need for our land is for people to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And so as we, we enter into this Easter season... Frankly, just like Christmas, people are, are thinking about things that could lead to an understanding of what is the meaning of Easter. I love to just use the expression Good Friday and ask someone, do you know what happened on Good Friday? Jesus died on the cross. What's the most natural answer to that? Jesus died on the cross? How is that good? I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you why it's good. Because at that moment he was dying, he was paying for my sin. by the way, that again is the theme of tonight's Psalm 22. That's why Jesus, our Lord, cried from the cross, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Because at that moment, your wrath and mine was falling on Jesus Christ in our place. Good Friday. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, share. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and his compassion. I thank you for your love for us and sending him to us. And Father, as we now come to celebrate at this Lord's table, may we meet with him and worship him from our heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.